Hello and welcome to the second episode of Half-Ass Travels with Jason, the podcast. I'm Jason. I like to travel. I want to go everywhere and see almost everything that I can afford. I'm not wealthy. I'm a social worker, so I really have made an art of piecing together my trips bit by bit. I never thought I could afford to travel because I never really have three or four thousand dollars just laying around. Um, I'm what's called bad at saving, bad with money. I do okay, but I like to waste it. Anyway, what I've learned is that I don't need to pay for entire trips all at once. I don't need to come up with three or four thousand dollars all at once. I can piece my trips together and over time I can see everything that I've always wanted to see. I've been to almost all of America. I've been to Ireland, uh, London, South Africa. I've been to the Iberian Peninsula and I've been to Morocco. I've also been to Iceland but that's a technical situation that I will still get to one of these days. Anyway that's out of the way. Uh, last week's episode was about brainstorming. I talked about how I come up with trip ideas and how I sketch out a basic plan. Um, so this season of episodes is going to be focusing mostly on my recent trip to the Iberian Peninsula in Morocco. I knew I wanted to go there, so I looked into the route of the trip and a basic idea of how I wanted to go about it. So check out that first episode if you want to see how I pieced that together. So today's episode is about filling up the guts of a trip. Um, I'm breaking this up into two episodes. Uh, this episode's going to be about how I pieced together or how I got around the European piece of where we, where we went. Next episode will be about Morocco. So last week, our last episode, I figured out that we were going to do a road trip. So the first thing I did was, after buying the ticket, of course, uh, the airline ticket, um, was I went to Expedia to look for and reserve cars. Uh, I guess the first money-saving trip I have is you can rent a car and you don't pay for it until you pick it up. Um, you also can cancel your reservations, I believe, up until about six hours before pickup. So what I like to do is reserve a car right away. That way I lock in at least a price that I can budget around. I have a general idea that no matter what happens with the world and the economy, that I at least have that price set. I look through um, every few weeks, every few months uh, when I'm bored to see if I can get a better deal on a car reservation. And if I find something that's better, I can cancel my first one. And if I don't find anything better, I still have that first one. So I think that's a, a really good idea. And again, that's an expense that you don't have to pay up front. You pay that at the time your trip starts. For me, it's easy um, to have that money because I'm actually saving for something tangible. So it's not about just randomly saving up enough money for a trip later on. I know that, oh, I mean, I'm going to need about $200 for my car rental. 
So it's easy to save that money. Uh, on this trip, the person I was going with um, had found uh, a place to go outside of Lisbon, but that's not important. Uh, not yet. Uh, one last thing I wanted to talk about the car rental was I had thought about doing a ferry from Spain over to Morocco, but I found out that it would be easier just to take the car rental from Lisbon to Lisbon. Um, there's destination fees and all other sorts of fees that are associated when you try to drop off your car somewhere else besides where you picked it up. Uh, when I went to South Africa, I was going to drive from Cape Town to um, Johannesburg, but it was an extra $75 fee to do that. So instead, I just flew from Cape Town to Johannesburg, which was like $25 extra. So that was a, an easier thing to do. For this trip, if I wanted to drop, pick up my car in Lisbon and drop it off in Spain, it would have cost about $2,000 extra. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, being in different countries. Even though you can travel between most of the countries in the, the EU down you know, over there, uh, they are still separate countries. So there's that. Um, so my friend, again, she found a... Uh, a bone church near uh, Lisbon. I think it's in the town called Laura. I'm going to talk about you know the places that we went to later on. Today is just kind of about piecing the trip up step by step. So we knew we wanted to go to the bone church near uh, Lisbon, which was about a mile out. I don't know who would pass up a bone church. I wasn't going to be the one to pass up a bone church. And we also wanted to see the westernmost point in continental Europe. So. I had that uh, set up and we wanted to stay in Porto the second night or we wanted to stay overnight that first night in Porto because the next morning after that I wanted to go to the 516 bridge and um, see that. That was a, a big deal to me. So I go to Google Maps and I start piecing together. I know I want to go see the Bone Church, we wanted to go see the um, Western Point and we wanted to end up in Porto. So I got my rough timeline started. So the next thing I do, and I do this between every stop on the trip, I uh, reserved a hotel room through Expedia up in Porto. And I guess my tip there would be that I always pay later or pay on site um, and free cancellation. Usually that, uh, that adds about an extra 10 bucks or so to do that. Um, for me, flexibility is worth that extra fee. Um, that's kind of just how I do things. And again, it's one of those things that you could do. You could book your hotel room right away, and then you can monitor the costs of hotels. And um, I've even done it to where I've reserved a hotel, and I've seen that I can get a cheaper price when I know my timelines are more solid and static, and I've done that before too. So let's say I, I book a hotel room for spot A, and the pay later and free cancellation is $100. Well, I've looked it up, um, and I saw closer to my timeline, or closer to the time that I was going to go there, and I knew I was definitely going to go there, I didn't need that flexibility anymore. Um, to go ahead and um, pay for it right away was only $80. Well, I did that. 
because that's where I was going. Everything was pretty much set and I didn't need that flexibility anymore. So those are things that you could do. I obsess about my trips and I'm constantly reading about my trips. Um, so it's what I do throughout the year. Um, let's see. So after Porto and the bridge, um, the plan was to travel to Madrid. I saw that there was uh, an Atletico uh, Madrid soccer game going on while we were there. So we decided to go ahead and get tickets. Uh, so that was our next step in planning. We knew that there was a game and where it was. So I mapped it out and we started looking at the route to get to Madrid. We knew where the stadium was and wanted to be somewhat centrally located. So I picked a hotel based on that and booked it. Once I knew where we'd be, I went to Viator and started researching tours that they offered in the area. I wanted to see if it would be easier just to do these things on my own, or was it easier to uh, let the tour company do it? Um, I looked at the options that we had for tours. Then I kind of looked at Wikipedia and seeing if I wanted to see these places that the tours were offering. Um, and we decided that we were going to book a tour. Here's another bonus uh, with Viator. You can book tours and they give you a time frame that you can cancel, which again is pretty close to the date that you're supposed to be there. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. Again, it's another way to defer the payment for the trip. You can pay that um, as you go. So for an example, on a Viator trip, I'm, let's say I have a $100 tour that I'm booking in Madrid. Let's say that we're pretty sure that we're going to do that. And later on down the road, I, ex I have an extra couple of bucks. I'll just pay for one of my tours or I'll pay for one of the hotels. That way I'm kind of paying as I go before I get there. Um, I don't have to have that lump sum and I don't have to save over an extended period of time. So that's another another thing I like to do. So um, let's see. So I like to look, on, look at tours about places I'm going to go um, and I like to book them when I first get there. Um, I use the tours to take a break and let somebody else take over for a while. You know, I've been driving for a long time. I don't want to drive anymore. I like to take a break. I also like to use the tours to scout the area um, so I can see things that I can do on my own later. Uh, for example, on Madrid, the Madrid tour we did was a day trip to Avila and Segovia. We took an Uber to the pickup uh, spot for the tour and then wandered around the city when we got back because we're already centrally located. We're basically down where all the cool stuff in Madrid was. Um, and because we're in the area, I made a reservation to a place called Botin. It's uh, Botin. It's uh, the oldest restaurant in the world. Um, I wanted to try the cycling pig. It was a bucket list um, thing I wanted to do. But since we were there and the tour was over, it was kind of a two birds with one stone. Anyway, we'll get into that later. So after Madrid, we drove to France. Uh, we were going to drive through Andorra. 
But after weeks and weeks and literally weeks of research, just because that's what I like to do, um, it just looked like that was going to be too much of a hassle. Uh, the reason that we didn't want to go through Endora in the end was uh, there's a lot of weird rules. Um, they're not inside the EU, the European Union. They're outside of it, so you have to deal with the border. Um, and, you know, crossing borders is not as easy as you would think it is. So one of the rules for Andorra is you're required to have snow chains in your car uh, from like October or November all the way till about April or May. And it was a rental car and uh, we didn't have snow chains or anything like that. Um, then again, we're leaving the EU or there's another word that starts with a sh, and I just can't remember off the top of my head or pronounce it. Um, so really driving across the border and dealing with the border, kind of a pain in the ass. And then they would probably know that we don't have snow chains. So we decided to skip that. And then, you know, ultimately, um, it was late fall. We we're looking at the end of November, beginning of December. And the Pyrenees do get snow and ice. Um, and it's not my car. It's, uh, it's not a car that I'm comfortable with driving. If it was me and my Subaru, sure, I would be just fine with it. But a rental car, driving in possible icy places with weird driving rules and crossing a different border, ah, we just skipped it. So instead we drove up north to San Sebastian and we saw the Bay of Biscay and we walked around um, San Sebastian for a while. Uh, before we eventually crossed over to France uh, to stay a night in Carcassonne. I don't know how you pronounce it, but uh, my friend that traveled with me liked it because it started with Carcass. So that's kind of how I remember it too. Uh, we picked Carcassonne uh, because uh, it's a town that's centered around um, their center. Their town center is inside the walls of a castle and they have a torture museum there which is pretty awesome it's like the church bones place if you have a, a torture museum in a town that's surrounded by castle walls i'm probably going to be in uh but we did miss the uh, museum tour due to due the time constraints um but the city was enclosed in the castle and we walked around it at nighttime and it was really cool um Eventually, I'm going to have a place that has pictures. My landing page for the, the podcast will have pictures and of all the places that I'm talking about on this trip. Closer to when I actually start talking about what I saw on the trip, where we ate, things like that. So, after Carcassonne, we woke up and we drove towards Barcelona with stops in uh, Figueres and uh, Port Legat. Uh, Figueres has uh, Salvador Dali's theater uh, slash museum. And then Port Legat has uh, his home where him and his wife lived. I'm a huge Salvador Dali art fan. Not a Salvador Dali fan. I like his art. He's kind of a weirdo. Um, honestly, when you go to his house, it looks like a house that I would have gone into when I did homeless housing. There's stuff in there that's just odds and ends that people would call, quote, art. To me, is weirdo shit. But whatever. 
we'll talk about that later. Um, but it was awesome. So we got there early. We spent most of the day uh, pretty much Dolly-centric, which was great. Um, and once we got that out of the way, the end of the day was uh, stay in uh, Barcelona. Now, um, here's a place of regret or a place that I feel I really lost out on. I thought Barcelona was amazing, and I loved the few days we were there. Um, we had booked a trip to see the uh, Sagrada Familia and uh, Park Güell. Um, again, I'm butchering all these names. I am so stereotypical. Uh, then we went to the Picasso Museum, and we wandered around the city for hours. It didn't feel like hours to me, but we had a ton of steps. We walked for miles. My regret is I know I could have spent a week in Barcelona at least. It's so big and it's so well set up. Um, if you know me, I know I, you know I love walkable cities and I love strange uh, cities that are walkable. I fell in love with uh, the two places um, that we saw when we were in Spain. One of them was Barcelona and the other one was a small town called Salamanca. Um, Salamanca was a town we visited between um, Porto and Madrid. Um, I would move to either place in a heartbeat if I were allowed. And I'll talk about them more in another episode. But Barcelona, you could spend... Like I spent a week one time in London. You could spend a week in Barcelona and you will only hit the tip of the iceberg on the on the things there it's just it's an amazing place it's huge and it's a, but it's amazing after barcelona we drove along the mediterranean coast of spain down to alumnicar uh, alumnicar is near gibraltar and uh it was actually just kind of an afterthought in my planning we thought okay you know we were going to stay at a place that was um closer to Lisbon and past uh, Gibraltar because I wanted to go to Gibraltar. Uh, but the drive, you know, when you, do, um, you look at maps and you kind of plan out the, the timeline of the drive, going that far would have been a really long trip and it would have been a really bad idea. So we decided to stop somewhere on the way to Gibraltar and we stayed in a place, um, like I said, called Alumnicar and that was an amazing place too. Um, so when we were there, it was really cool because we ate Spanish Chinese food, uh, which was neat. And um, uh, one note is I woke up uh, the morning of my birthday, December 2nd, uh, to listen to the Huskies uh, beat the Ducks. It was like 4 o'clock in the morning local time. I was dead tired, but I'm walking, you know, around this old old spanish mediterranean uh, town and listening to an american football game and you know kind of feeling it because it's my birthday really neat day so after um my travel partner woke up we uh, went to gibraltar for a for a day before flying back to lisbon or driving back to lisbon because we're going to leave there to fly to morocco for the morocco leg of the trip uh, Gibraltar was amazing. Uh, we didn't book anything when we were there. Um, we just kind of winged it. Um, it's another border. And um, 
with borders, you're always kind of reminded that people are assholes. When you're when you're crossing a border of some place that's not in the EU, know that it's you're going to have to go through the whole butthole check. Um, you're going to have to show your passport. You're going to have to possibly answer questions and deal with dickhead border patrol and and agents. And they suck. They just universally suck. Um, but you get through it. And when we got through that, um, I was in Gibraltar for my birthday, my 51st birthday. I saw the Pillars of Hercules. I saw the Strait of Gibraltar. I climbed the Rock of Gibraltar on my birthday. Um, I can't put into words how that makes me feel. I never dreamed I could afford something like that, but there I was because I was able to piece the trip together. Um, it's just, it's, you know, it's really, it's it, what, it's what motivates me and kind of what's motivating this podcast. So, um, that's just kind of it for this episode. It's not too long. Um, I think if I added on the Morocco part, it would go over 40 minutes and that's just way too long to listen to my boring ass monotone voice. And all my ums and coughs and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not coughing today because I used tea. Um, you know, because I'm becoming a professional at what I do here. Anyway, um, so again, that's it for this episode. Um, I'll do the Morocco gut, uh, Moroccan guts of the trip uh, pretty soon. Um, Again, I'm hoping to do these episodes every two weeks unless I get super motivated. And, you know, I, I am pretty motivated and I was going to jump the gun a few times, but I have to keep some kind of structure or I'll burn out. Um, but again, you know, if I get a ton of sponsorship deals and whatever and they want to pay me to talk more, I'm always down. So, you know, keep that in mind. Which reminds me, this week's sponsor comes from my uh, email of the week. Um, so I received an email, and let me read it to you. It starts out, uh, the sender is, quote, not the king of Morocco. It reads, look, jerk, mind your own pockets. Don't worry about how much money I, I mean, the king has. Did he, um, I mean, I, I mean, did the king establish a corrupt system that gave you a ticket for driving wrong when you were in Morocco? Yes, but in this economy, every bit helps, even if you're a billionaire king, which I am not. Love the show. Keep it up. Love, not the king of Morocco. That's pretty cool for an email. Um, it's weird that my sponsor this week is uh, from the Moroccan Tourism Board and whatever but that's pretty cool not the king sending me money in an email uh, yeah that was pretty fucking lame i know anyway next week episode is our next episode is going to be about about the guts of the morocco side of the trip i think the planning of the trip is fun um and you know these these trips and the way i put them together is keeps things flexible affordable um which is really important. So hopefully somebody listening to this is real. Maybe somebody not related or associated with me. And somebody that 
didn't think trips were something they could do. Um, if you don't think you can do a trip, I promise you can. If you're lucky enough to have a decent enough job, you don't have caviar dreams, and you're curious and you want to see the world, you can do it. Um, again, email me. I will, I will do my best to help you. I'm not an agent. I don't know all the tricks. But I can kind of tell you how I piece together these half-assed trips. Uh, one of the things I like to do is point out an asshole of the week. So this week's asshole is that restaurant Boaton, or Andrew Zimmern, or Life's Cruel Games. Who knows who it is, but somebody associated with that restaurant was an asshole. For years, I wanted to eat at Boaton. It's the world's oldest uh, restaurant, allegedly. Um, I saw an episode of Bizarre Foods, and Andrew Zimmern ate a whole suckling pig when he was there. He ate the tail, he ate the ears, he ate the crispy skin. It was a lot. Um, I figured it would be expensive, but I've waited a long time to eat one, and I really wanted to eat one at Boaton because of the episode that I saw of Bizarre Foods. Anyway, the day we went to Boaton, I saved room to my stomach all day long because I had planned to eat a whole baby pig. Uh, if anything, I'd take some back to the hotel. Um, I was going to make this happen. So we get to the restaurant and the first bad sign was the, the waiter was a dickhead. He just, he was a complete tool. Um, for an example, he, he had an attitude of a teenager that hates his job, um, but he was old. He was like my age. And so he brought me a soda. I always get like a Diet Coke or a Diet Pepsi. He brought it with a glass of ice because I'm an American and I eat a lot of ice. And instead of pouring the soda into the glass or just leaving the soda, he like dumped the soda into it. So basically he made my soda flat. Whatever. You know, first world uh, problems. But anyway, you know, just leave it. Let me deal with it. I don't need, you know, a savage soda pour. Then um, I ordered my meal and they brought it and it was just part of the baby pig. There was a tail, but basically all I got was a quarter of a piglet ass and a dead ass Diet Coke. It was good. Yeah, it was good. Whatever. But it was a dream crusher. My heart was broken and only assholes crushed the dreams of a young person like me. So, asshole of the week. Restaurant Boaton or Andrew Zimmern, Zimmern or that dickhead waiter. Anyway, thank you for listening. And if this could be rated, please rate it high. Again, I'm a, I'm a lowly social worker. I need all the monies I can get. And when, you know, when this thing takes off, I will be very happy. It won't. But I will. Anyway, um, if I get only one rating and it's low, I'll know it was that senior uh, shit waiter from Boaton. And at least he listened. If you have any questions, uh, please email me at halfasstravels with an S. That's H-A-L-F-A-S-S travels at yahoo.com. And I'll answer until the podcast blows up and I hire a bunch of lackeys to do that sort of labor for me. So thanks for listening, and um, I can't wait to do this again in a couple weeks.
Bye.